So when Jesus says later in John 3 that we must be born from above, now some people have heard the phrase born again. You've heard of people being born again. All that means is we've been born from above, born of God. When he says that we must be born from above, he is talking about this recreation of us from humans who could only be touched by God from the outside to this new species of human whose spirit has been born from the seed of God, making us into the same type of being as Jesus, a being created out of the spirit of God and the flesh of humans. That is absolutely life-changing. Are you a seeker, believer, doubter, or philosopher? Are you church-weary and disillusioned, or Jesus-loving and digging deeper? This church welcomes you all. Join siblings, Ben and Joanna Church, your hosts for the I Will Be Your Church podcast, a daily discovery of the realm of God. Grow strong in the truth of God's presence and love so that you can say to your families, friends, co-workers, and social media worlds, I will be your church. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. He was in this world, and this world came into being through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to what was his own creation, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believe in his name, He gives the power to become children of God, who are born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of humans, but born of the will of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. The book of John Chapter 1. Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For it was only as a human being that he could die. And it was only by his dying that he could break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And it was only in this way that he could set free all who had lived their lives as slaves 
to the fear of dying. How powerful. Just as God spoke the first humans into flesh, his word also became wrapped in the flesh of his son, creating something that had never been seen in this world before. A being, a human being who was created out of the spirit flesh of God and the physical flesh of a woman. Incredible. And then God goes on to call Jesus the firstborn of many brethren and sistren in Romans 8, 29. He's the firstborn of this creation, this new creation. So when Jesus says later in John 3 that we must be born from above, now some people have heard the phrase born again. You've heard of people being born again. All that means is we've been born from above, born of God. When he says that we must be born from above, he is talking about this recreation of us from humans who could only be touched by God from the outside to this new species of human whose spirit has been born from the seed of God, making us into the same type of being as Jesus, a being created out of the spirit of God and the flesh of humans. That is absolutely life-changing. You know, what struck me is when you read that first portion in John, that the world was created by him, yet the world did not know him. Isn't that amazing? So here you have God, the creator of all things, actually in human form, visiting his creation. And the people rejected him. They literally called him of the devil. You know, that sounds inconceivable and it sounds disgusting to me yet in a weird way it gives me hope that God can live in me I can become like Jesus and even though the world rejects me and and shuns the work of God in my life and maybe even calls me crazy they did the same thing to Jesus so if God can take on bodily form. And think about this, all the fullness of that Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily. So it's not like it was just a little portion of God or, you know, maybe like Buddhists or Hindus think, you know, there's just a, a portion of God in each one of us. He literally was the fullness of the creator of the universe living in a body, wrapped walking up around, in flesh. <laughs> wrapped up in flesh. And he did miraculous things. Well, that's another thing. He didn't actually do it to prove that he was God. There's no scripture that says that, although that's a theology that many people hold to. He did what he did to show forth the love of God, of the heart who of God, God is. That's Not right. just to prove, and the apostles didn't do miracles to prove they were apostles. No, they're just a reflection of who God is, and, it, and that was shown forth through awesome wonders to people. But it gives me hope that God can live in me, and he can live big in me, and even though the world may reject me, God's still doing something in my life. Yeah, I mean, the whole point of being this new creation, this new species of human who's been born from above, means that that same spirit that filled Jesus fills me 
And my flesh right now is wrapped around that. (laughs) And when we talk about healing, when we talk about deliverance, when we talk about being freed and having chains of addiction and oppression broken off of our lives, as he's saying, it's not because it's just to prove that there's a God. No, that's to prove the heart of God, that God's heart is for humanity. It's His right. heart is to break chains. His heart and his love is to free people. And when we walk around this earth, if we are born from above, our flesh should be carrying that heart of God just the way Jesus did. But it's pretty incredible when you start to think about that, that I'm just like Jesus was made up of this spirit seed and the flesh seed, I get to be made up of both spirit and flesh. It's pretty exciting, really, when you think about it. And it puts a new twist on our catchphrase, I will be your church, doesn't it? It reminds mm-hmm. me of the scripture in 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. We are literally the temple of God walking around. Now, back in the Old Testament days, the Hebrews had the, at first, the traveling tabernacle with Moses. And that's the only place, really, that the presence of God lived and dwelled. It was in the external. Holy of Holies. Yeah, it was an external place. Then there was the built temples with Solomon, then later Herod's temple. And, you know, there's just ruins of it today, really. But when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that enabled each and every one of us as believers to become that temple hmm. where God's spirit, his presence dwells. I think it was really personified on the day of Pentecost in the upper room with the 120 people that were gathered up there when the mighty rushing wind came and then tongues of fire came and sat on each one of them. To me, that symbolizes the transition from the fire over the Holy of Holies, like in the wilderness, the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke rested on each one of us. And so not only do we have the indwelling spirit of God, but we have that same outward fire, that outward anointing presence that goes with us and before us. And that was symbolized on the day of Pentecost when they literally saw that fire come and rest upon them. Uh, the New Testament calls that being clothed with power from on high. Mm-hmm. So we're filled, born anew on the inside of us, and then clothed with him as well. And so with that other scripture, then having the mind of Christ, our minds being renewed by the word of God, is there really any aspect of our being that's not fully immersed in the presence of the Lord? I think that covers just about all of us, spirit, soul, and body, covered, filled, baptized, immersed, anointed, conscious of the indwelling person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. It's pretty awesome. Sort of sad that there's still people who think that to get a touch of God, to have His presence to hear his voice, that they have to go here or go there, go to this preacher, go to that guru. (laughs) And they don't have to, because he said, I'll come to you. I'll make my home with you and in you. So you don't have to ever 
go out and find him somewhere else because he said, if you receive him, he'll come to you. I think what is really cool about that scripture, Hebrews 2, where it says, uh, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. A lot of people wonder what was the point? Like, why did he have to come? Why did the word have to become flesh? What was the point of Jesus? And part of the point of Jesus was the three years that he was physically walking this earth and actually demonstrating the heart of God. They'd Mm -hmm. seen the hundreds of years of the law of Moses being demonstrated, and it looked like punishment and judgment and anger and and all of those things. But Jesus came and said, let me show you the actual heart of God. So we know that for that three-year period, as he's walking around, touching people, healing people, casting out unclean spirits, and all of those things that he was doing was to demonstrate this is this is God's heart. It's for freedom. It's for healing. But there was actually a deeper theological, spiritual reason for him to come in the flesh because God's children were in the flesh. And the son, in order to deliver us out of the fear of death and the power of the enemy, he had to become flesh. He had to take on the body. He had to have the blood because it says only as a human being would God be able to die. God can't die. So how how would God die? The only way he could die, the only way he could shed the blood of the covenant, which we will talk about one day, was to become flesh and blood. And he did that, as it says, to set us free, set us free from fear, set us free from chains and addictions and bondage, set us free from anything that is below what God had intended for us. And this could really get deep. You know, we could talk about this for hours because that's the whole basis of our the substitutionary sacrifice that Jesus came to do on behalf of us and become our high priest. And then you can go into the whole high priest aspect of it to where he was our mediator going between us and God. And by the way, that's the whole premise of a Protestant faith is that we do not need another mediator except between each individual and God other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one premise of Protestant faith. Uh, but, But Jesus became that high priest, became the sacrifice, and then became the one and only mediator then. And he suffered for us, not only substitutionarily, but also empathize and have compassion towards us. Like that scripture in Hebrew, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then what does that do? Because we know that Jesus was tempted in every single way. He suffered in every single way, yet he didn't sin. But what do we do now? We can then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. That's the whole point. So that each and every single one of us can come to God with all the issues of our life. He can sympathize with us, empathize with us because he suffered it already. He experienced it. He was tempted in every single way. And yet he overcame how much more than we can take hope because I'm reminded Jesus said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
he overcame and we're in him. Therefore we can overcome too. Going back to the scripture in John, uh, I really love the part that says that we've been born of God's will, not just the will of man, not just the will of my parents, Mm -hmm. but I've been born of God's will by his will. Ben, have you heard about people who are suing their parents because they said that their parents brought them into the world without their consent? Have you heard, Un- have you heard about Unfortunately. That? <laughs> <laughs> and so the argument in court is, well, because you birthed me without me asking to be born, you should have to take care of me for my entire life, pay for everything, meet all my needs. I should never have to go out on my own. Now, don't because tell me the courts are siding with those people. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I Not yet. <laughs> I never get past that part in the news shows because I just can't, I can't hear it, you know? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not even worth researching to find out. That's right. <laughs> But yet I get what they're saying, right? We don't have a choice. We've been brought in. If you're here in the earth, you've been brought in to this world by the will of your parents. Because God gave the basic right of procreation to humans. When two people choose to come together physically, the forming of a child is always a possibility. And that child has no say in its formation or in its birth and eventual life. But each person does get to choose whether they want to experience the birthing of themselves as a child of God. He has already said that he wills it. And so through Jesus, he gives every person the power to become his children by the simple act of their will. And it becomes this mutual choosing, this mutual exercising of God's will to have us be born and our will to accept him into us that we can become born from God in our spirits. So his will and our will, we get a choice in this birth that we didn't have in our physical birth. Anyone else's minds blown from that thought that he gives us this choice. Here's one thing that can clear up something for everyone. It is God's will for every single human being to be saved. Now, many people would disagree with that. They have theology that says not so. Throw out all tradition and just read the Bible. Just one scripture clears it up. Second Peter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So there's God drawing nigh to humanity. There's him reaching out. He's already made the first move. So now what's our response? So if we perish, it's because we did not respond to the Lord's sacrifice. He already bore the sin of all mankind, all humanity on that cross. He already made the way for every human being who will ever live to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's that scripture too that says, he died once for all men. Mm -hmm. And men is men and women, right? He died once for all of humanity, all. I mean, everyone knows the scripture, for God so loved the world. Not the good people, not the religious people. God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only son, that whoever just believes, just believes. It's that simple. Whoever just believes can have eternal life with him. Now, Joanna, you mentioned that court case with children suing the parents. Isn't that the case of humanity against God? Legal expression of we didn't our, ask to be here. <laughs> yeah, our feeling towards our creator, our our rebellion of our shaking our fist at him. We didn't ask to be born. Uh, we curse you. We're suing you. You owe us because you require of too much of us. Yeah, that literally is just a manifestation in our court system today of the state of humanity and rebellion against God. But one last thought on on this subject today, the word became flesh is, if that's a reality in our lives, how do we apply this to my life? Well, shouldn't the word be made flesh in our everyday life? So if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's living in us, if we've got the mind of Christ, if we're being renewed day by day, if we're already a new creature created in Christ Jesus, if the Holy Spirit and the anointing is on us, if we're being clothed, okay, there's no aspect of our being that cannot be touched with the light and power of God. Shouldn't we on a daily basis be living in that reality of progression towards being the image of the Lord Jesus Christ in our daily life. That's the whole point of, I think, our podcast, of the, the searching and the living of our our lives, that the Word would be made flesh in me, that every aspect of my being, spirit, soul, and body, would become like Jesus so that eventually, on this road of life, that the end of my days, I'm more reflective of the person and image of Jesus Christ than I was at the beginning. The word was made flesh in my life. Some of you listening today might be asking, how does this happen? Maybe you haven't had that born from above experience. And you're asking, how do I have this birth in my spirit? How do I become a part of this family, a brother or sister of Jesus himself How does my spirit become one with God, the Father of all creation? You may have been told in the past that there was some ritual you had to go through, some cleaning up of your life that had to happen first, some special prayer that had to be said. But when Jesus was asked, what do I have to do to be saved? He said, the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one he has sent, who is Jesus. Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here with you. And the word repent simply means change your mind. Change your mind about how you have viewed God. Change your mind in how you have viewed Jesus as some otherworldly being who couldn't possibly relate to you or change your mind that he was just another human and not the Son of God at all. Change your mind about not being valuable. Change your mind from what the world's systems say about God and about you. And believe that God so loved you that he sent his Son to reveal himself to you, to reveal the realms of heaven to you, so that if you believe, you could have eternal life. No more fear of death, no more fear of man, no fear of eternity. So in your own words, just tell him, 
I believe in you, and I believe in the one you sent who reveals you, Jesus. And I want my spirit to be born of your spirit. Let your word of life become flesh in me. And my prayer for blessing for you, as always, would be that today you would respond to the heart of God towards you through the cross of Jesus Christ, because he died just for you. My prayer is that you would repent of evil ways, turn from them, and turn towards the Lord Jesus Christ. I would pray that you would embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and embrace the truth of God's Word. And lastly, that today you would be a willing doer of God's will in your life and in your world. So go out and do it. If you feel blessed by the I Will Be Your Church podcast, please subscribe so you never miss a day. And then share it with your friends. Check out our website, IWillBeYourChurch.com to learn more about us, check out Ben's blog, connect with us on social media, and become part of this church family movement.